Welcome back to Sound Insight. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I love you, thank you, and praise you for who you are and for all that you've given to us. Lord, I thank you for giving me the gift of a Catholic faith, a Catholic Christian discipleship, uh, following your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for all the ways that you draw close to me. Um, I repent of all those ways that I fall short, all those ways that I settle for less. And Lord, I just ask that you would uh, give to all of my listeners the graces that they need the most today, right now, especially as we are about to enter into the Lenten season. Lord, help us Help us to do so with eyes wide open, with the spirits and hearts ready to enter in to this beautiful liturgical season. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Tanson said, I'm going to talk about why I love being Catholic. And not just that, it's not just that why I love being Catholic, but some of the distinct ways that when you're Catholic, we don't always realize the gifts we've been given, the graces we've been given, the blessings that are ours, uh, that if we if we were able to pause for a minute and just think about them, it would really shift. It has the potential, I should say, of shifting how we live in this world. And I'm gonna I'm gonna demonstrate that today. I'm gonna do that in the uh, first part of the program by sharing a, a story, but then it related to Lent, and then talk a little bit about Lent, just very, very briefly, but then I want to talk about this theme more fully. I'm going to unfold this theme more fully, and and really, hopefully, open um, your eyes to appreciate, maybe in a new way, maybe in a deeper way, or maybe you'll say, Tom, I already get that, but uh, it's good to be reminded, right? So hopefully it'll be, at least it's a good to be reminded of uh, the blessings that come from being Catholic and how it shapes at a fundamental level how we see our lives in the world. And then if there's time, I'm not guaranteeing there'll be time, but if there is time, I'm going to reflect on Sunday's gospel, the story of the blind man, Bartimaeus, crying out to the Lord. That is such a I think a beautiful gospel to hear before we uh, enter the Lenten season. So that's a lot to cover today, and, and I'm excited to do so. All right, so let's 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 just dive in. So today, so today, I'm recording this on Monday night. I was talking with I was talking with several several folks, uh, and one of them, and, and this is funny because it was about real estate stuff, like helping these families discern a move here. And, and I'm, I'm kind of working with them, helping them, whether it's buying or selling their homes. And I, I love the fact that I'm doing this with these Catholic folks because uh, I was saying, hey, you ready for Lent? And he says, yeah, I started like thinking about getting ready for it today, like starting to practice for like what I'm going to be doing come Ash Wednesday. And I had to laugh because <laughs> literally this morning when I got up, I, I'm still teetering on the fence of, uh, am I going to give up coffee or if I'm going to have just coffee black? And when I say coffee black, it's instead of uh, having steamed milk and sugar in it. Now, I have not had milk and sugar in my coffee for years. I, I just, I enjoy black coffee and I don't need the sugar. And, you know, the milk's not going to be helping me much either. But my wife got this like frothing machine. It, it's a, uh, I don't actually know what you call it. it, a foamer maybe, but you just put some milk in it and it has this little coil inside it. I don't even know how it does it. Maybe it spins around really fast or something, but it heats up this heats up some milk and it makes it nice and frothy. So it becomes a real temptation in the morning now to just have coffee with, with cream and sugar. So anyway, so I, I am, I'm here, I got the milk. I mean, I've got the, uh, the coffee and I'm looking at the frother and I'm like, okay, Lent's coming up. I know I'm going to either go without coffee or just black coffee, black. I'm going to give up this cream and sugar. So I'm going to start now. I'm going to enter in now. I'm going to kind of get some momentum going. Here I go. Here I go. Here I go plugging in the frother. Here I go adding in some sugar. And for good measure, let me add twice as much sugar as I normally have. And what in the world am I doing? <laughs> I can't believe a week. My will is, I can't believe, it. and it's like, 
the perfect, not perfect, it's, it's a great example of how the flesh fights when it gets resisted and how Lent becomes such a gift to us. And, and this is a great reason to be Catholic and a great reason to rejoice to be Catholic because Lent is going to be such a revelation. You should expect. If Lent doesn't reveal some stuff to you, you're just not trying. <laughs> if Lent doesn't reveal some stuff to you, if you don't grow in self-knowledge during Lent, you're just not trying. And so even in this little thing, this little thing, could I have gone without sugar and frothed hot milk in my coffee? Absolutely. It wasn't about that. It was about the flesh. It was about this fallen human nature that said, the thing that I don't want to do, the thing that I will not do, that's the thing that I'm doing. And I hate that I do that. This is a Romans 7 kind of stuff, right? St. Paul talking about the fundamental human condition in the fallen world is that there's a part of us that resists. It resists God. It resists well, not even just God, it resists a sense of doing what we want to do. It's just, we resist dying to self. We resist dying to our own will, our own way, our own wants, our own desires. Even in little things like a cup of coffee. And it's not even Lent yet. And I just, I like I'm just shaking my head at myself that... Wow, it's already started. So I can't wait. You know, here we go. Tomorrow it's all game on, game on. So I'm hoping that you will just thank God for the gift of Lent. Thank God for the gift of being Catholic because Lent will really show you some beautifully uh, Catholic insights into the life of faith, the life of a disciple. And one of them is, this really important principle that faith works. Faith works. Right, you know, letter of James, faith without works is dead, and yet we live um, oftentimes surrounded by Christians who tend to separate faith and works and, and think that any emphasis on doing good works is somehow severed from faith rather than finding their source in faith, rather than connecting them to a motivation which is traced back to faith. That a living faith is a living relationship with the Lord our God, and that Lord our God who lives in us is going to start prompting in us actions to take, including actions that are going to reveal to us our own brokenness, our own limits, our own sinfulness, our own our own spiritual bondage, the way that the flesh still rules and reigns in our lives. So the gift of Lent is that by undertaking different forms of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, we are going to learn to extend ourselves, to stretch and expand ourselves in our relationship to God, prayer. We're going to restrain ourselves and restrict and diminish the way in which we allow ourselves such easy access to pleasantries, comfort, and softness. And so that's the fasting. We say no to self. And almsgiving, we say yes to God. I'm sorry, yes to others, where we extend and stretch how it is we love our brothers and sisters. And so uh, my hope and prayer is that um, as you enter into this Lenten season, you'll give great thanks to God for the gift of being Catholic because you're going to start changing your lifestyle tomorrow. You're going to start living differently. It's going to change how you approach your day in terms of the things that you're doing, in terms of the things that you're avoiding, all because of a liturgical season, all because of your Catholic faith. That's why I was saying yesterday that I love Lent, because not because I'm successful at it and I become spiritually Superman. No, in fact, it's the opposite. It's sort of like the beginning of the program where I just fall down and, and fail, and yet it's so revealing. The self-knowledge I gain is such a gift. The humility is such a gift. But rather that um, it, it brings 
squarely into my awareness, front and center to my life, that I, um, I'm Catholic. That I'm only doing these things because of my Catholic Christian commitment to be a disciple of Jesus, to seek to do the Father's will in all things, to give him glory, and to help foster the salvation of souls. And so, um, so rejoice. Rejoice that you're Catholic, that you've received that great gift. Here's another, like, for instance, example of that. Tomorrow, Carrie got robbed. Tomorrow. And like, wait a minute, how does she get robbed in advance of the day even coming? Well, tomorrow is her birthday. <laughs> if you want to say, pick a day of the year that you don't want to have, like a movable feast that you don't want to end up having on your birthday. I'm trying to think of one that would be like harder than Ash Wednesday. I think the only one would be Good Friday. Right? So those would probably be the two days of the year that would be the hardest to have your birthday on, right? Obviously because it's going to become really difficult to celebrate the your birthday or the, the birthday of your loved one on Ash Wednesday or on Good Friday because these are uh, days of fasting and abstinence. And so I guess Good Friday would be harder because of the the, the 12 to 3 o'clock hours and, and the Stations of the Cross and the and the service of um, the uh, the passion and death of our Lord. So I, I guess Good Friday would be harder, but let's say that Ash Wednesday is a pretty close second. So what are we doing? We're actually celebrating her birthday today. Isn't that, isn't that funny? It's like we actually are allowing the day that we celebrate her birth to shift because of our Catholic faith, because of our way of looking at the world is that fundamental that it displaces something that is on the calendar, her birthday. Now, of course, we'll say happy birthday to her tomorrow and all that, but we're going to like celebrate her with the typical current customs of kind of a, a fun breakfast, and we'll go out and um, get, get something to eat um, or just have a nice dinner, and we don't have to worry about it being a day of fasting and abstinence. In fact, it's, uh, by making it coincide with Mardi Gras, just you know, a little, a little bit more fun, a little bit more, uh, a lot, a lot easier to have that uh, connected to, um, uh, you know, to her birthday, to have it happen then. So, uh, but I love that. Isn't that cool? I just think that that's a really neat thing that we would shift and shape even something as fundamental as celebrating a birthday to conform to the liturgical calendar. So it's not too late. Have you discerned for yourself? Have you talked with your spouse? Have you agreed with your kids? What is it that you're going to be doing as an individual, as a couple, as a family, regarding Lent. You don't have to make it like, you know, a big, big deal. But, you know, we had our family meeting on Sunday and got out the whiteboard and put down prayer, fasting, and almsgiving and did a brief catechesis again on why do we pray? Why do we fast? Why do we give alms? And now let's talk about the form that that will take for us as a family. What are we going to do for family prayer that's different and additional and then the same with fasting, and then the same with almsgiving. And then I had them take some time in silence and write down and think about what are you going to do for Lent individually. So in addition to what we're doing as, as a family, what will you do individually to enter into uh, the Lenten season? And uh, let me just say this. It that sounds like real uh really clean and like wow, that's really cool. It was a lot messier <laughs> than that. It didn't come out uh so clean and neat where, you know, we, we're gonna post them on Instagram what our kids are all giving up for Lent. No, it it, it didn't happen like that. Um but we were able to make some good forward progress 
around um, what it is we're going to be doing uh, as a family in prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And maybe when Carrie's on on Friday, we'll talk about it and give you sort of an update on how things are going. Uh, but anyways, all right, I'll up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to dig into uh, further insights on the great joy of being Catholic. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It is great to be with you today. I was inspired to do this theme, um, like why I rejoice and I'm so grateful today and, and why I'm reflecting on this idea of the gift of being Catholic and, and how it shapes and molds my life, not only through the fact that tomorrow begins Lent, but also for a couple of other reasons. One was a dinner I was at on Sunday night, actually with Father Lewis and uh, Father Kyle Ratuiste. He's the uh, spiritual, not the spiritual director, the vocation director for the Diocese of Spokane. There was a gathering at a home where uh, the parents of boys who are in what's called a Melchizedek group, a group of young men who are open to the, the idea that they might be called to be priests, and they get together with Father Lewis on, um, on this sort of seasonal basis uh, to uh, reflect on certain themes that help them to consider what is God's call for your life and is priesthood a, uh, a potential, that that's something that you would consider for yourself. And so this was sort of an end-of-the-season gathering of the parents to just talk about stuff. So I'm going to reference some of the little bit of that conversation uh, there and just sort of like some really neat Catholic insights. But the other reason why was, I don't know why, but in my YouTube feed, there was a video shown where this guy had a lot of views on like part two of the errors of the Catholic faith. And I clicked on it. I'm like, why did this show up in my feed? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't get it. And I was looking at, I just went to the comments real quickly, and it was like, wow, this is brilliant. These insights are amazing. This is so helpful. I really appreciate this. And I'm like, well, let me watch this guy. So this guy who's supposedly so profound and insightful, it took about two minutes of watching to say, man, this guy doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And it's not that he just like has his information wrong. I'm like, this guy fundamentally sees the entirety of the life of faith differently than I do. And it made me begin to reflect live right there on the incredible gift of a Catholic way of seeing the life of faith in life on earth. And so that's what I'm going to unfold now. So here's the first thing, is that we are born into this world. And as we are born into this world, it begins to dawn on us as we begin to grow and mature, we begin to gain what's called self-consciousness. We begin to reflect on the fact of our own existence. And up until that moment, that, that sense of self-awareness is operating at, at a different level, at a different sort of category, if you will. But at one point, we begin to raise the question, the horizon of our own sense of self-awareness expands beyond to the, to the level where we begin to ask, why am I here? Where have I come from and where am I going? And so the question of God takes on a more focal awareness. And it made me stop and think about the way in which we as Catholics have received this incredible gift, this incredible gift where we don't have to wonder about, you know, uh, is there a creator the, or who is that creator or does that creator, that God who created the universe, does that God know me? Does that God have any uh, will or plan for my life? Um, is is that God have any um, connection or, or intention of of uh, assisting me and drawing close to me in my life? Well, no. We as Catholics, we've been given this incredible gift, where God Himself has drawn close to the world and to human history in Jesus Christ. And that what the Lord revealed and communicated to the world in Jesus Christ 
is brought close to me today. And what he announced to the world, that we who are creatures of God and who have fallen and found ourselves under the dominion of darkness and Satan, have been set free and invited by Jesus, the Son of God himself, become man, to share in an elevation beyond the reality of being created, to share in God's own life itself, to share in divine life, the life of God, to become truly a recreated child of God. We've been invited into that. And not only invited into that, but we, you and I that were born in Catholic families and baptized, we were immersed in the very life of God before we ever even reached the dawning of self-awareness if we were baptized as infants. And so not only was I given the gift of life, apart from my willing it and even being aware of it, but I was given the gift of new life, recreated life, the life of God's child, where God's spirit in the core of my being cries out, Abba, Father. The incredible gift of being Catholic is that we get to see the world in a whole new way through the lens of our baptism. You being baptized is so much more than what this guy talked about on the video as somehow this ritual that was symbolically expressing some adult expression of adherence to Jesus Christ. And instead, in a fuller Catholic understanding, becomes the Christ-established way for us to experience an elevation of our entire fundamental status from creature of God to child of God, where we cry out, Abba, Father. And we begin to taste now, to have a foretaste of resurrected life, the life that is to come, It points us towards heaven, to the true ultimate destiny, the true ultimate meaning of what all of this is about. And it's been given to us as a gift, unasked for, unexpected, undeserved, unearned, not figured out, pure gift, the gift of our baptism. Thank God for the gift, if you've received it that gift of being Catholic. We can begin to stop and say, do I see life through the eyes of my baptism? Do I think about and reflect on others that I encounter through the lens of that question? Are you baptized? Do you realize what it means to be baptized? Are you living in accord with the graces that were infused into the core of your being through your baptism? Do we realize what being baptized means for what's really important in life? Like what we ought to value, what we ought to give priority to, what we ought to put a focus on and attend to. Nurturing the very life of God within us. Yeah, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, Lent. It's all about being unbound and and setting free the gifts and graces of our baptism, faith, hope, and love, and other gifts. These other sevenfold gifts. So that we would flourish, flourish with peace and joy and justice in the kingdom of God, with God as our Father. So today pray, pray for new eyes to see the gift of your baptism, that as a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus, you who have been baptized, that it might begin to inform, it might begin to shape how you look at life in a whole new way. And that's just the first of these great, um, uh, these great uh, like gifts that have come to us 
just because we're Catholic. Right? One last thing I'll say about baptism. How many times have you been in a church when a baptism has occurred and you're like, come on, move it on, move it on, let's go. Oh, why does this have to happen like this? And it's like, no, do you realize what's going on there? Do you realize what's happening there? It's not just simply a ritual that this is a dedicating a child to God. It's not just a ritual saying this child now belongs to this church community. But no, this, what you're witnessing with the water being typically poured over the head of the, of the baby, of the infant, and the words being spoken by the priest, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you are witnessing in that simple gesture the recreation of a creature of God into a child of God. You are present when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in that child in a fundamentally new way. So that child will begin to have the graces of faith, hope, and love emerging in their awareness that they are to trust God, have confidence in the Lord, and delight in Him, faith, hope, and love. That's what we're witnessing. But we so often just don't have eyes to see. Let me push forward because there are other moments like this that happen in our lives as Catholics that have sadly become somewhat routine or somewhat left on the sidelines when in fact these are fundamental. They're like at the, at the foundation for like what life's all about. Like really, do you realize what, what just happened there? Do you realize how, how important that is and how can we be so casual about it? So here's a second moment. And you know, this is, a, this is an easy one. It's one that I, I talk about quite a bit on Sound Insight in these last years and actually for decades now. It's the what's called the source and summit of our life of faith. It's going to Mass. And do you ponder this. Pray about this. Maybe this is something for you to pray about, this, this Lent. Like when you go to Mass, um, ask the Lord, sincerely ask the Lord for a greater appreciation for the fact that there are some wafers, some bread, some unleavened bread in the form of um, hosts that are there, maybe at the back of the church, and they'll come up in procession, right, at the presentation of the gifts, or off on a side table, and they're going to be brought up to the altar, maybe more typically like at a daily Mass, and, and right now, at the beginning of Mass, just pray for this. Lord, help me to realize that that's just bread. And it's bread in the form of, of, of a host that doesn't even really like, I don't think of that as bread, but it, it's a host. It, and, and that's all it is right now. It's just a, it's a not consecrated uh, unleavened bread in the form of a, a host that is just there. And that, through the course of this ritual that Christ took to himself, the Passover meal, and elevated it into something so much greater through the supernatural intervention of God because of what Christ has established at every Mass, you have this bread and wine being brought to the altar. And through the hands of the priest, the invocation of the Holy Spirit and the prayer of the canon of the Mass, the Eucharistic prayer, you have these hosts transformed into the real presence of Jesus Christ, the risen, glorified Lord. He becomes tangibly present. As you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity. These were hosts and they become the true and real presence of the glorified living Jesus Christ. And stunning even more than that, well, maybe, maybe not more than that, but right alongside that is the stunning, astonishing truth or invitation not take and look at but take and eat that this body is given for you and is going to be given to you, is going to become consumed by you, that 
the one before whom you will fall down and worship forever in heaven has come to earth in such a humble form to become consumable by you, to become nourishment to you. Remember that like divine life that is in you? Remember that? Like that, that supernatural life as a child of God that is given to you at baptism? The Lord is so attentive to you. He knows that you're weak. He knows that that divine life needs to be nurtured and sustained, needs to be fed. There needs to be a source of continued uh, growth of that divine life in you. He says, I will come and be that life. And so when you welcome Jesus into your mouth, when you welcome the Lord into your body, ponder, receive him. I remember hearing, I'd never heard a talk on this before, never heard a talk until I heard this homily about what do you do? Like, I don't know if he was talking to little kids, but I'm like, I wish I heard it when I was a little kid. I wish I heard it when I was a little kid. I never did. And it was, when you receive the Lord onto your tongue, or let's say if you receive the Lord in your hands and you place the Lord onto your tongue, there's an appropriate way of welcoming the Lord into your body. And, and that includes allowing him to rest there on your tongue, not biting into the host, but allowing the, the host to be there in you as you quietly commune with him, having received him back in the pew. All right, I'm up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to dive into this more fully and continue on with these incredible Catholic moments. Welcome back to Sound of Sight. This is Tom Carnes. Great to be with you. Today, I'm reflecting on the gift of being Catholic, a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus, and how as we approach the Lenten season, it's, it's great to stop and ponder and like, what is that gift of being Catholic all about? And how distinctively does living our Catholic life of faith um, show up in ways that maybe we just take for granted? We don't always appreciate. And when we lack that awareness, we are missing out on the ways that focusing on on these distinctively Catholic aspects of life can shape the entirety of what our life becomes about. And so just before the break, I was reflecting on the act of receiving Holy Communion and how going to Mass, we uh, get to be present at a supernatural intervention of God on earth in history every time we're at Mass. And I think that that which is so spectacular has become so ordinary for us because we're just accustomed to it and maybe we don't appreciate it. Maybe if there was some kind of special lightning or like the radiance of God's glory, like sort of burning bush kind of moment, maybe that would change things. But I don't, I don't know. I think that having something so overt like that misses out on the supernatural dimension that is there for those who have eyes to see. If you like look at the lives of great saints you know, they would go into ecstasy. They were caught up in that moment when the bread and wine became transformed into the real and true living presence of Jesus Christ. And then the act of receiving Holy Communion was one that was so, so considered such a privilege that having received communion, they longed for that time of intimacy, that time of individual prayer, and communing with the Lord. So the homily, I'll just finish up with a homily. Uh, this priest was saying, when you receive the Lord on the tongue in, in Holy Communion, or you place the host on the tongue if you're receiving in the hands, that you just allow the host to be to be there. You don't um, too quickly swallow the host. You don't too quickly, you don't um, uh, treat the host in a way that is um, uh, you know, irreverent uh, by biting uh, or um, chewing the host, but his he was drawing upon a, a more traditional spirituality that was just allow the host to rest on your tongue and allow it to slowly dissolve uh, as the Lord is present. And you know they would they would point to a, a typical time frame of around twenty minutes, right? So without getting too focused on minutia, focus on that reality that there is a special window of time when the Lord, the divine Son of God, risen and glorified, 
is dwelling in you. He is dwelling in you. He, not it, he is with you. And that was my encouragement to pray for that. Pray for the deeper appreciation of what it is you are allowed to be present at the occurrence of, and then you are invited to participate in. Maybe, maybe pray for that this Lent, for the awareness of that incredible gift. Okay, so let's continue on. There are other distinctively Catholic moments that ought to like, leave our mouths like jaw-dropping wide open. Are you kidding me? Right? So we've already been stunned and amazed that the Lord God who created the universe loves us enough to enter into human history as a man and to give us the gift through the church of being elevated into a new status as recreated children of God through baptism, and that he nourishes the very redemption that he won for us in baptism that set us free from sin and set us free to be children of God. He nourishes that reality in us every week at Mass, and maybe every day at Mass, or however often you can get there. And by receiving him, we become more fully uh, transformed into him. Well, the third moment I want to draw attention to is one where we recognize that we fall short, that we're weak, that we're broken, that we're sinners. If you're not yet clear on that, wait to Lent. <laughs> Just I think at the beginning of my program, I'm like, man. Well, uh, last Sunday, in preparation for Lent, um, we got to Mass a little bit early, and all my kiddos went to confession again except for two of them had gone last week. And um, uh, I went along with several of them. And, uh, and you know, even that, I know, sadly, that has become too rare, too rarely practiced, too rarely promoted, too rarely valued by too many Catholics. And it's left on the sidelines. And yet, if I described it like this, if I described it that through sin we diminish or sever our relationship with God, and so we lose the vitality, the light, the peace, the harmony and order that a relationship with God brings to our lives and our relationships, and we become spiritually brought into confusion, darkness, and bondage where we become slaves to sin. And that the Lord has provided a remedy. He's like, I have a place for you to come where the divine physician, Jesus, will heal you. He will heal you of the spiritual bondage, the spiritual blindness, the spiritual confusion. And he will restore you into relationship with the Father by the work that he has accomplished on the cross, which he will bring to bear to your life by showing you mercy, the favor that he has for you, precisely in those places of your life where you deserve the opposite, where you have failed him willfully, out of weakness with maybe lessened willfulness and lessened knowledge, but even in those places where you willfully, knowingly did heinous deeds to betray him and his love and his faithfulness. He is there waiting to meet you with peace, with the spiritual resurrection, with consolation. That's confession. Yes, that's confession. And just to hear it described like that, who would want to miss out on that? Why would we want to miss out on that? Isn't it shocking? It's like, who doesn't want to get in on that? And yet we don't. We don't not not that you know we don't want to get in on it, but we we don't actually take the steps to access the incredible gift of God's mercy. I have to admit again. So I was at St. Joan in in Post Falls and went to confession, and there's a priest there. I I tell you, he's got the gift. He has got the gift. I'm not saying it's like sort of full blown reading of hearts kind of thing, but the man, ha this priest, has words of knowledge. So I went in there and I laid out my sins. <laughs> and I tell you, 
it's like he pulled that like it was like the needle in the haystack he pulled out this little hair in the midst of all the things that i had said and it was exactly the one that i was like i was pondering and concerned about and and saying lord what am i doing and he just i didn't draw attention to it in any special way but he pulled it right out and then he went backwards and he grabbed another theme that I had in my mind been pondering underneath these sins. And he went right there and he drew attention to it. And I was like, wow. Now, what's so powerful about that is is not just that he's got this gift of like being an incredible confessor, like a charism, but that came from somewhere. It came from someone. It came from the living Lord. It came from the living Lord Jesus Christ who is reconciling the world to himself and we get to experience that. We get to experience that concretely, personally, for ourselves when we go to confession. Like, do we appreciate this? It's just like, a, that's, that's just the third moment. I want you to ponder it and, and rejoice and, and praise the living God for the gift of your Catholic faith. Because that Catholic faith, again, gives you an entire way of seeing the meaning of life itself through baptism. It gives you a way of nurturing that very life with God at Mass and receiving Holy Communion. And it gives you the way to restore that life when we fall short of God's glory. We break His law, break His heart, we betray Him. He is there to say, I'm faithful to you. I will not give up on you. This is not the end of your story. And the way that the Lord does that in the sacraments, in these sacraments that I've covered, are, are gifts that we, frankly, just don't thank the Lord enough for. May I speak for myself? That there's so much more the Lord wants wants to do through the sacraments in us. When we come back, I'm going to continue to lay out some Catholic moments that we maybe underappreciate, that they're just all around at hand, but help us recognize the meaning of life. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. Hey, really cool. This is uh, tomorrow is Ash Wednesday, and I am I have a guest the guest I have for the program is someone that, uh, if you're from the West Side, if you're from Seattle, um, you um, you have heard about this sister, um, and she, since um, leaving Seattle, has really gone on to become much more widely known and um, acknowledged as a beautiful teacher of the faith. It's Sister Miriam James Hydland. Sister Marion James Hydland, uh, a Salt sister, S-O-L-T. And she wrote a new book on healing. And tomorrow, uh, I am, um, I, I'm interviewing her on Tuesday, and I'm going to air that interview on Ash Wednesday. So it's going to be a little bit of a, maybe a, a pleasant surprise, um, a beautiful, a happy way to, to engage in, in Lent in Ash Wednesday to talk about her book on healing. So uh, I, I think you'll be really excited about that. Um, and, and you know what? It actually brings me to another one of these incredible moments that, wow, do we really appreciate the gift of being Catholic when it comes to these moments? And, you know, so far we've talked about being established as a child of God, nurturing and baptism being, a, a, and there's so much more, but just I'm simplifying, celebrating and nurturing that in the Mass, being restored to that in confession. And then how about getting ready to enter through the door of death to our heavenly homeland? What if the Lord recognized that the sting of death is real, the fear of death can lead folks to tremendous anxiety and 
facing that sense of uh, the finality, the being out of control, the, the trusting, the what ifs, all of those things that can assail you, that the Lord is saying, I, I'm going to bring about a final healing in your life. A final healing. And through the door that will lead to a complete healing. And I'm talking about the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Again, another beautiful moment where Christ is saying, I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to meet you there at that place where you are physically fragile and maybe seriously ill and maybe on the last step in that journey here on earth where you're going to step towards your heavenly homeland. I'll meet you there. I'll meet you with grace. I'll meet you with peace. I'll meet you with all the good gifts that you need so that you will be uh, prepared. You'll be ready for that journey. And in that moment of being on your sickbed, you might also come to experience the expectant faith that the Lord will move even in miraculous ways in your regard. And that that sacrament might be a place of encounter with the divine physician who is not at this moment going to bring you the full, final, complete healing that only comes through death. That's right. Death as the doorway to full, final, complete healing because complete healing doesn't happen on earth. We are still living in a fallen, broken world, not yet fully transformed into the new world, the new creation that the Lord intends and will happen at the end of time. And so that means departing from this world to be with God. And, or it might mean an aid to return to health, where the Lord is still today bringing about healing, yes, through medical means and through the hands of physicians and treatments and medications and procedures and all these things, but also beyond them, watching how the Lord heals today. And it's one of these things where I think that we as Catholics too often uh, approach the concept of death too far removed from our Catholic faith, where the sacrament of the anointing of the sick is something that is a threat to many Catholics who are like, don't let that priest in because then the then our poor loved one who's elderly might think they're going to die, they're at death's door, and then that's a terrible thing is the underlying conviction as if somehow death is a threat rather than the way home to the Father. And on the other hand, the sense of do we really have expectant faith that is associated with that sacrament of the anointing of the sick? Do we have expectant faith that the Lord is still moving today in miraculous ways and supernatural ways? Uh, I, I think far too few of us Catholics have any sense of expectant faith that the Lord is going to move in miraculous ways. And so to stop and to ponder the meaning of that sacrament and what Christ is doing in and through that sacrament of healing, again, maybe ponder that during your Lenten season. Okay, I think you've by now figured it out. What am I doing when I talk about being grateful for the gift of being Catholic and how that can shape and mold fundamentally how we see life and how we're living our lives? I'm just using the sacraments. I think you figured that out by now, that these sacraments are all connected to this theme of underappreciated, not yet <laughs> expressing the gratitude we ought. And if we pay attention more fully, we just might be even overwhelmed at what the Lord has done for us by giving us the gift of a Catholic faith and a Catholic faith that is encountering Jesus in profound, divine, life-giving ways in the sacraments. So just then to move more quickly through this, confirmation is what? It's our Pentecost. It's our personal Pentecost where we who are disciples of the Lord, new creations crying out, Abba, Father, growing in our identity to become saints. Well, we're also sent forth on mission. But the Lord wants to specifically equip us with gifts and graces as we go forth on mission to proclaim the gospel and to help bring about the glory of God and the salvation of souls through the proclamation of the kingdom and of Jesus. And that he will grant us his spirit to move in power 
in our lives and through our lives so that the gift that has been given to us is not only for us and that we can experience a release of that power, of Pentecostal power, to be at work in and through our lives. Do we appreciate that? Have we pondered what, what happened to us on our own confirmation? Have we thought about it? Have we prayed for a release of that gift and grace of the Holy Spirit given to us in confirmation? Again, another really very worthy thing to do in the Lenten season. Sixth, uh, just a quick one on the elevation of marriage as a sacrament. If you read the church's theology about marriage, you'll see that it traces marriage back to creation, right? Creation, God made them male and female, be fertile, multiply, fill the earth. That's part of the work of God on the order of the creator creating the creature. And yet Jesus Christ also says, watch what I can do. And he takes that natural reality, that created reality, and he says, I'm going to associate this with an uncreated, supernatural, God's grace-giving reality, Christ-encountering reality, marriage, the sacrament of holy matrimony. That the Lord is saying, I am so committed to the families that I'm going to raise up that which establishes the basis of a family, a marriage, and I promise to be there, to give you grace, to meet you right there in the midst of that reality of your married life. How many Catholic married couples look to Jesus and say, you have called us not just to be together in marriage, but through that reality to be a place of encounter with you, that you're promising to meet us right here in our married life. Again, maybe something to pray about this Lent. And it brings me to the last one, which is the Sacrament of Holy Orders. And boy, oh boy, do we appreciate the reality of the priesthood, the, uh, the reality of holy orders. I mentioned being at that dinner on Sunday night, and, and I don't have time to go into it a lot, but I think that one of the things that can happen is that we end up looking at the life of a priest as a role or as a job rather than as an identity. And um, there's so much more to say about it, but priests as spiritual fathers who lead, provide, and protect. And if you stop and say, just for a moment, how are they providing for us? How do priests as our spiritual, provide, spiritual providers actually provide for us? Right? They're, they're obviously not providing so much at the human level, human means, but they're providing the sacraments. Remember all those other moments we're talking about? How is Jesus Christ reaching us in this moment of history through the sacraments? Well, it's through the priesthood. It's through the bishops and the priests that they ordain. They're the successors of the apostles and their, their helpers, the priests. You stop and say, what is a profession that's worthy and noble? What's a profession that makes a difference in the world? What's a profession that is doing the most that is having an impact in heaven? It's priests. It's incredible just because of the reality of the sacraments. How often do we give thanks to God for the gift of the priesthood and of our priests? Another thing to pray about in this Lent. God bless your day.